The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. As always, Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes of Frank Open Honest Conversation about gambling addiction, and joining me as always from Epic Risk Management, my pal Dan Trelaro. Danny, how are you today? I'm doing great, Craig. I'm doing great. What a Super Bowl that was. Yeah, great Super Bowl, and nice to watch it uh, with no rooting interest whatsoever, without the worry about you know, a bad beat or something going uh, the wrong way and having to figure out how we're going to pay somebody uh, three days later, right? My God, it, just to be able to sit on the couch and just watch the game and, and look at all the amazing things that happen. And to your point, like, I don't care what happens because I have no skin in the game, no stake in the game. I don't even care which team wins. I, I want to see the commercials and just eat lots of wings. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, this show is going to be a little different than most shows in that uh, I'm specifically not bringing a guest on because uh, there's, a, there's an aspect of addiction I thought was important for you and I to share from kind of our personal backgrounds. Um, and that is overcoming the stigma of A, being an addict, and B, you know, getting yourself in trouble because of the bad decisions we made uh, as a result of you know, being controlled by the addiction. You know, we talk a lot on this show about how you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that if you are at the very first stage or first step of recognizing you or a loved one needs help, that you can conquer it, you can come through it. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And while I do believe that, and we are both living lives that certainly would confirm that you can conquer the addiction, you can have a life worth living, you can repair relationships, you can get back on your feet financially, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't want that to come across as flippant or cavalier and make people think, oh, go to a couple GA meetings and everything's going to be right in the world. And I think it's important for you and I to discuss from our own personal backgrounds the reality of getting to a place where life can be really good. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right, because it, sometimes it does come across to be like, all right, life is good and all these things are going great and there's no troubles in the world. You know, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, the troubles are still there. It's just how we deal with them. You know, yeah. I don't need to go to gamble now to deal with, with uh, you know, someone coming at me for something that happened 10, 12, 15 years ago. I have other tools in my tool belt to deal with that. Yeah, so I want to go through the stages of it. I want to, I want to keep this as real and authentic as possible. You know, I'm, I'm closing in on four years without gambling. You know, you're 12 years without gambling. And while life is great and, uh, you know, you found love and you're going to build a, a family and you're, 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 the people in your life are doing really well, and you've clearly conquered it, now dedicated your life to it, it doesn't mean that you escape it. Right. Now, at the very beginning of recovery, I want to keep this very clear, it's hard. It ain't easy. It's not pretty. It's not easy. And it doesn't just happen overnight. You don't get to wake up you know, uh, two days later after you're making your last bet and announce to the world, I'm a better person. And even for me, nearly four years later, and I know to some extent you 12 years later, there are still people that don't want to hear it. There, there, there's, there's no Shangri-La moment. And there are still going to be people, because I know I deal with it in my life, that yeah. will still view you based on the worst moments of your life and don't want to hear about recovery, don't want to hear about 
the steps you've taken to better yourself, to repair relationships. They only view you based on the worst parts of your life. Yeah, yeah. There are days, Craig, where it absolutely sucks. Honestly, there are days where you'll get a message from somebody who you were previously close with or someone in your life, and they're like, I still can't believe what you did. I still can't believe you're now taking what you did and earning a living out of it. I mean, I, these are things that are real. You know, whether it was two days after, two years after, or 12 years after. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think that over time, the part of recovery is kind of worrying a little bit less about what other people are, are saying or thinking about me and me being confident in my own thoughts and my own judgment and growing as a person to know that I can look in the mirror and know that I'm doing the right thing. You know, Craig, as, as someone who was uh, addicted to gambling and just addiction in general, we tend to want to be people pleasers. We want to keep everyone happy. We want to just try to like please another person. I can't live life like that, Craig. And you know, you and I will die. If we die trying to please every single person in our life, it's not going to happen. Then we're going to fall right back into some bad patterns of behavior. And that's just not what addiction is all about. Yeah. It's about doing the next right thing. I think the thing that bothers me the most is that, you know, for the majority of my life, I did live my life the right way. I was, you know, law abiding, a citizen, you know, charitable, giving my time and, and everything else. And then I had this, you know, brief moment when you take my life in totality where I got caught up in something that was uh, you know, far bigger than me that I couldn't control, obviously gambling, and led me down a bad path of making bad decisions, associating with bad people. And I'm still at a stage where, you know, it's frustrating to me when, when I sit in a room, because, you know, I'm still involved in the, in, in the courts, and I'm not clear of any of that, of all that yet. You know, I'm moving towards it, but, you know, it's still a part of my life um, where, I, you know, I, I feel the daggers. And it's frustrating to me when, like, I know that I'm doing the right thing all the time. And I've lived up to every expectation that's been put upon me by the courts, by family, by loved ones, etc. And there's a level that's frustrating to me nearly four years later where there are people who don't know me personally but, you know, feel a certain way towards me and don't want to believe that I'm doing everything right. And there, there are moments still in life where, you know, I kind of want to kind of yell to the mountains, hey, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything that's asked of me. I'm doing everything I could possibly do with my time to, to better myself, to better, you know, people who have gambling problems, dedicating, you know, time and resources and energy towards it. And there's an aspect of my life, at least, where I am still frustrated, and I agree with you. I'm not trying to make everybody happy, yeah. but you want to, you, you almost want to shake someone and say, listen, <laughs> you know, I'm not the guy I was four years ago. Why yeah. don't you believe me? I, there's an element of, you know, and it's so, it's so funny you to say that because I was thinking about this on the flight out to Ohio this past week when we were traveling. You know, you have people who have so much stuff going on in their own lives that it comes to a point where it's easier for them to focus on someone else's misgivings and shortcomings. And so now they're going to be honed in on what you did, maybe in a season of your life, a short period of time, and they're not going to let that go. You know, you could have 40 years of all good credit on your side, of all good stuff you've done, but you make one mistake, your reputation's tarnished. It takes a lifetime to rebuild that. And for some people, they never let it go. And, and, and that's the hard thing, right? That's the battle that we face. Having to know, you know, who do we let go in our life? Who do we have to like think about? Who do we have to impress? 
it starts with, with you. It starts with me. If I can start saying I'm doing the right thing day after day and those actions are speaking louder than my words, over time, which is all relative, it'll get better. And for some people, they just don't want to hear it. And it is frustrating because you want to just shake them and be like, don't you see? That was something I was dealing with. That's addiction. But that's why there's so much shame and stigma, Craig. That's why the people that listen, they're afraid to come forward at times because they don't want to deal with that. Yeah, like it goes back to the old thing, you know, that gambling addicts are degenerates. Well, if someone's yeah. going to call you a degenerate, why are you going to come to them and admit that you have a problem? Which is why, you know, actually one of the reasons I'm in favor of all this legalization of wagering because it makes it a mainstream topic. And the more mainstream it is, I, I truly believe the easier it's going to be for our future addicts to come forward and have the conversation because gambling's not going away. It's only going to grow and grow and grow. So much like we have honest conversations now about drinking and driving, we have honest conversations now about opioid abuse. I do think uh, we will eventually feel very comfortable having open, honest conversations, you know, about gambling. But, you know, it brought me to there's this great quote from Eleanor Roosevelt where she says, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. So as much as I'm frustrated by seeing people that, you know, still question my motives or question, you know, the things I'm doing, um, you know, so what, right? Like that, that's how I should look at it. Like if they don't think, if if they think a certain way about me, that's their problem, not my problem. I'm just admittedly not there yet. I still, I still do care the other way people view me. You do, and that's that, that's that mind, the brain, heart connection, right? Like in your brain, just like we, do, I, I probably shouldn't gamble anymore. I, I really shouldn't care what people think. But in your heart, listen, you do because you have certain personality traits. You have compassion. You have empathy. You do a lot of work for others, underprivileged. You do so much. It's in your DNA to care, and you can't just strip that away. But it's kind of like streamlining that. I'll, I'll tell you what's really difficult too. There are certain times where. I had someone come at me in my own personal life, and I just basically had to say, thank you for not being in my life anymore. You, right. This is just not my life, which does not, which no longer includes gambling, also now no longer includes you. Because if I can't have a support network that's there, I, I don't want any part of it. And those are hard ties to cut at times. Yeah, talking to Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management, I thought it was just a good uh, time now that we're post-Super Bowl and pre-March Madness just to kind of reset what this show is and what it's about and to be, you know, as open and honest uh, as we can both possibly be. Dan and I both made bad decisions. We both got in trouble with the law. And uh, I know Dan's, you know, 12 years out from that now, which is great. You know, but it does, it does chase you. And I, I just, I felt like, you know, every time we do the show and I tell, you know, another, you know, uh, compulsive gambler who's nice enough to come on the show, you know, that I want them to share how good their lives are now because there are people that are at that stage one, which is the most difficult you know, stage to get through or steps to get through. I want to make sure we keep this as real as possible. Like, and I, I imagine this is for all addictions, not just gambling. Step one's the hardest step, but it doesn't just get immediately easier. It's a lifetime commitment. And yeah, you are going to lose friendships. You are going to lose people in your life. And that's okay. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Step one is the hardest part, admitting that you have a problem, because that is you're admitting that the time that you've just spent thinking about this thing, doing this thing, all the energy that you invested has been essentially amount of wasted time. 
But that's why a lot of people just skip on to step 12. Let me now go help somebody else. Right. But it's the steps 2 through 11 in between taking the inventory, really looking to see what did we do, and asking for amends. And some people never make amends. And you know what? It's just part of the recovery journey. I will say that when I was coming out of prison, I was scheduled for my first time to be eligible to come out on supervised release. I was denied a couple of things. I hadn't spent enough time away in the eyes of the court. And number two, a couple of the victims that I took money from showed up and said, no, he's not ready yet. We don't want him out. But I will tell you, down the line, when I had my other opportunity to come out, it was approved. And those very same victims that said no the first time actually said, yes, reunite him with his family. Hmm. So it's amazing how people's hearts change over time. Um, it, it, it's, it's such a crazy world. It's not easy. It's not always straight up. It's, it's a roller coaster ride, but it, but it does get better. Talking to Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management. We'll take a quick break. We'll continue on with uh, Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. A few more moments here before we get to Evan Roberts. Uh, Dan Trelaro is always from Epic Risk Management. I, sh- I should mention, also remains a consultant with uh, the New Jersey Council on compulsive gambling, and they are better known to you as 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, but let me just wrap up, you know, the kind of the personal uh, part of this, and then with the, some of the things Dan and I want to get to today. Dan, for people that are uh, aware that they have a loved one, a family member, a friend, that is exhibiting behavior where they're worried about it, uh, what what's the suggestion? Is it, you know, confront them? Is it, you know, the surprise intervention we see on TV? Is it go for a long walk and have a conversation? You know, what's the best method that you guys have seen to uh, approach somebody that may have uh, never been approached before? Yeah, that's, and that's a question we get all the time. And, you know, what's so unique about gambling is that, you know, the, the number one thing that's universal across the United States and just treat them like a human being with respect, n- number one, right? So just be empathetic. Approach them with care, kindness, and compassion. Don't be judgmental. Don't use language that's accusatory. Don't use hurtful language. You know, find your, wait until, to talk with them until you're in a good space yourself so that you can lead with compassion. But even before any of that happens, become familiar with the resources that are specific to the area. In New Jersey, we have 800 Gambler. We have the 800 Gambler website. New York has helplines and websites. Every state has a helpline or a behavioral health Uh, services division or a website so that you can educate yourself around what problem in disordered gambling is. It is not a money problem. That's what people oftentimes fail to realize. Why don't you just stop? Don't you realize you're going to lose? What's wrong with you? And that's not the way to approach it. Educate yourself on what problem gambling is, which is an emotional issue. It's an addiction, just like drugs and alcohol. It's even medically diagnosed and there's a code for it. And then once you've understood where the resources are, you just kind of talk with someone. If there's a concern in the life, you have a conversation. Hey, I noticed you went gambling. Uh, you know, are you, do you find that you're gambling a little bit more often than you did in the past? Are you comfortable with the level of gambling that you do? Hey, you know, how often do you gamble? And having an open conversation about it will disarm a person as opposed to just saying, you gamble too much. You need to stop right now. That's going to be put them on the defensive. Yeah. But, Craig, you and I know. If someone comes at us when we were in the middle of our addiction, 
They're, I'm, I'm going to hide it every chance well, I we get. Yeah, so. we would have lied about it. We would have denied it. I did. I was having a conversation with a dear friend uh, on Sunday, this past Sunday, and we were talking about he was he, you know we've never had this conversation, and he said, you know, I I, I want to walk you through the moment where I knew you had a problem, and you know, this is four almost four years since I've last gambled, but he remembered vividly when in his mind he said to his wife, I think Craig Carton has a problem. And for me, it was this wow, kind of like wow moment that I was clearly showing people that I wasn't right, that I had a problem. And, you know, when he mentioned it to me, I kind of had to go back in my brain and remember the moment. You know, he asked me about having a problem, and, I, and he did. And obviously, I lied to him at the time and said I was fine. You know, no, no big deal. I got it under control. But, you know, th- those moments, you forget about those moments, and other people don't. So I was really blessed to still have this guy in my life. And literally, just this past Sunday, I was uh, hanging out with him for a couple hours before the Super Bowl. And he said, I want to let you know when I knew you had a problem. And I didn't remember the moment right away. But then as we started talking more about it, yeah, I remembered it. And then he was right. He asked me about it. Yeah, we can also see that, you know, it's also not a, a surprise that gambling's growing across the country. I mean, you, you got to have your head in the sand not to see the, the marketing and the advertisements. And you and I have talked about it. So even just approaching someone who gambles, say, listen, I know you enjoy gambling. I know it's a hobby of yours. But if you ever want to talk about it, I know it's really accessible. It's growing. If you ever need anything, I'm here for you. Yeah, it, it just a, it references the fact that you realize that some people can develop a problem, but you're not accusing them of a problem. For sure. No, I think it's a good way to approach it. You know, I, I've heard a lot of the ads out there, and I think there's two or three, um, two or three lines that now stick out to me in a positive light. The one that I've always said, which is, you know, be smart, don't chase, meaning if you lose yeah. a bet, don't try to make it up with another bet, you know, because uh, you know, that's not a, a good way to, you know, to get your money back for sure. But there's a couple other lines that are, are out there now that I really respect and like, and one of them is never borrow money to gamble, oh. right? Yeah. If you have yeah. to borrow money to gamble, you shouldn't be gambling. And then number two, because every compulsive gambler I've ever met, at some point, either stole money or borrowed money, right? Yep, yep. And yep. then, but the, yep. But the problem with that now is that you could still deposit on a credit card in some instances. Right. And so now, in a sense, essentially, you are borrowing. I know the UK changed those laws around five years ago, where you can no longer fund your gambling account with a credit card because you're essentially borrowing. So, you know, don't borrow money from another person, but go ahead and use your MasterCard or Visa. And then this one, I think, is a tougher sell, but I like it a lot. And that is have a wingman. Like I always yeah. said, like if I could go back in time and I was gambling, I would have paid somebody a decent amount of money and given them the authority to punch me in the face, yeah. you know, and pull me away from a table when yeah. I was, uh, you know, still up, you know. And I know it's very, it's very hard to have a partner in gambling because you know you're doing it on your phone. It's such a an individualistic thing now and a private thing. But I think the notion of talking to someone and having a partner with you is not a bad idea. I had a wingman, Craig. When I went to prison, the, one of the re- things I realized really early on was that there's a hell of a lot of gambling in prison every day. Yep. And I found two guys that were much larger than I am, and I'm not a real but six one, you know, one eighty five. These two guys were really big, and I went up to them, gave them their what they needed, and I said, "Listen, if you ever see me out on the floor gambling, take me into the bathroom and kick the crap out of me." Really? And that was my wingman. I put that in place. I would pay them monthly with commissary to make sure they did their job. We actually became friends. They didn't realize that gambling was a 
a really bad addiction. They, they knew it was a problem, but they're like, you're serious. I'm like, I'm dead serious. So you were actually, I had to change. You were paying guys protection money, but not from other guys from yourself. From myself. Yeah. Cause I knew the damage that I could do to myself. So I paid them their macro packs, the peanut butter, you know, pretzel, you know, stuff. Um, the little Debbie cakes. (laughs) And I paid them for protection from myself, not from somebody else. When, uh, when Dan says macro packs, it was a flashback (laughs) for those of you that have never been through the uh, United States uh, justice system. And hopefully you never have to be Yep. one of the, uh, one of the currencies in prison is a pack of mackerel. And what that is essentially, if you ever gone to a supermarket and bought a small package of tuna fish, you know, uh, it's that, but it's mackerel, which is a really disgustingly smelling, yeah. <laughs> uh, unique uh, packaged fish, but it's traded like it's money. Guys yep. gamble with it, guys pay people off with it. So uh, when Dan referenced mackerel packs there, he essentially was paying another prisoner. Uh, to kick his ass if the prisoner ever saw him gambling. And and they'll have no problem doing it, right? Absolutely, but that was my wingman. You know, that's what just reminded me of it when you said that, because I did have a wingman, and he was his job was to prevent me from gambling. And you know what? They they did their job, and I, I never felt tempted. I never had to put them in a position to do anything because I also knew that they would fulfill my request, which I also didn't want either. So. Yeah, I, I actually I sent a, a macro pack to Boomer from prison. Did you really? Yeah, because I figured... I'm in this really weird position. I never thought I'd be in my life, and that, you know, no one in my life has ever you know been in prison. You have really people that are really, really close to me. But I've had other guys I've met and I know who went who went away for a bit. So I wanted them to understand what I was talking about. So I yeah. sent Al Dukes and Boomer Size, and <laughs> I think I sent them a chicken pack and a macro pack. And you know, just thinking about that's a reminder of why I'll never gamble ever again. All, not because gambling's illegal; it's not. But gambling brings about bad decisions for me lifestyle-wise. And here I am almost four years without making a wager. Uh, I've been out of prison for over a year now. And, you know, I'm still dealing with the government. You know, there's still a piece of paper that exists, which was really one of the most emotional moments for me just as a human being was when I saw a piece of paper. And here I am, a guy that, you know, always did the right thing or thought I always did the right thing, who loves being an American, who, uh, you know, did all these, you know, charitable uh, things. Now, I don't mean to toot my own horn. It, it comes across wrong. I apologize. And then I'm looking at a piece of paper, and I'll, I'll never forget this piece of paper. I framed it. And not framed for anyone to see. It's just framed so I don't lose it. And it's tucked away in a drawer in my house. And it says, United States of America... Versus Craig Carton. Mm. And that threw me for a loop. Like, my country's coming against me. And I, and I don't want to make it any more, you know, dramatic than it needs to be. But I, I had a tough time with that. Like, United States of America <clears throat> versus Craig Carton. Like, what the hell did I do that my country's coming after me? Yeah. Yeah, that's those rock bottom moments. Yeah. Those are the reminders, right? You you said you keep that tucked away as a reminder, um, because that's a place that you never want to go back to because that, that evokes all the memories of all the crap that led up to it, um and, and, and all the stuff that you continue to deal with today. You know, and I, I can always think back to whenever I'm delivering sessions to college athletes around the country, I always think back to the hardest part of that was, you know, 
telling my twins at the time that, that daddy had to go on a business trip. Right. And right. that, I think back to that, Craig, I, I tell you, it, it just, it's just like it was yesterday when you think about that stuff. And then being in that courtroom and hearing that gavel slam down and the, and the handcuffs put on you as they escort you away. Boy, I tell you, those are, those are things you just don't forget. So my request to those of you out there that might be listening to this that uh, have someone in your life that you think lesser of because of their gambling problem, my, my hope is that there'll come a day in your life when you no longer judge us by the worst moments of our life. Um, and maybe you'll never get there, and that's on you to do that or not do that, and I respect that. But, you know, addicts ultimately should not be judged solely based on the bad decisions they made or the worst moments of their life. Many addicts, the far majority of addicts, have lived a law-abiding, positive charitable, good life, other than the fact they got caught up in something that was far bigger than them that they couldn't control. So my respectful ask would be, give the addict that you might know or come across a shot to prove to you that he or she has figured their demons out, has overcome the bad decisions they've made, and are now living a life that you would appreciate and want to be a part of. And if we can get a couple of you out there to start viewing addicts that way, I just think uh, it would make make it a lot easier for addicts to come forward and, and ask for help. It would lower the suicide rate of gambling addicts for sure. And it would let people know that you can make a mistake. You can pay a penalty for that mistake. And your apologies will ultimately be accepted at some point. And I hope that yeah. is what you take out of today's show. Yeah, and I think it's important also kind of add on to say, you know, Craig, you're not saying, hey, you have, don't be mad at them. Don't be angry. I mean, uh, uh, the loved one of someone who struggled with addiction has every right to be angry and hurt and afraid. I mean, all those emotions are normal. And, and getting the help that a loved one needs is also critical. But we have to realize that people who struggle with addiction are still people first. You know, you're born out of the womb. You're a person. You're a human being. And so you're a person with an addiction. The addiction doesn't define us. It's, it's something we went through. It's something we went through and, and made our family members go through and you know, a journey that they didn't expect to go on and one that they weren't in any control of either. Even though we weren't in control at times, they were even in less control. So it's a family issue. And have that respect, have that compassion, because it goes a long way towards a, a person with addiction to having a sustainable, meaningful recovery and returning to that good citizen that provides just the love and support for the family and for society. And if you are that addict that's listening to this show and you don't know where to turn to and you do feel like the walls are caving in and, and life is dark, please pick up the phone and call somebody, anybody. There will always be somebody there willing to talk to you and make things a little bit better in the moment. Uh, and hopefully you're, you're willing to do that. I know it's tough, but uh, if I didn't pick up the phone, I wouldn't be here. And uh, we deal with people all the time that are in that spot who don't feel like waking up tomorrow is the best move for them. And if they pick up the phone and call someone, they typically find someone willing to listen and talk to them and get them to a much better place. Danny, as always, appreciate it. Next week we'll have a guest back on, and we'll continue to introduce the world to other addicts like us. Uh, in the meantime, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and always appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, Craig. And the one thing I always take away is that the best, the, the, the worst day in recovery is still better than the best day I ever had in active addiction. So even on those hard days, it's still better when I compare it to those other days. Well said. Evan Roberts is next, and Evan and I back together Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.